This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. This is Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. And today we have one of our regulars for some sports media talk. It is John Lewis, founder and editor of Sports Media Watch, an absolutely invaluable website when it comes to sports viewership and I have said this many times and I will say it again if you are a uh, sports media nerd like myself and John are um, you absolutely have to be familiar with his work and his site he is uh, he has done yeoman's work in terms of um, chronicling sports viewership for man as long as I've been writing about this stuff and uh, um, I cannot thank him enough for doing that and with that I'm pleased to be joined by John Lewis. John, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. John, I've had better intros than that, but, uh, you know, what can I do? I I thought it was good. All right, B+. plus. All right, so here's where I want to start. Um, We're going to go all the map. We're going to do some viewership stuff because obviously I have John Lewis on. We're going to do viewership for that for sure, but we'll talk about some other stuff too. Um, This, John, this is a huge year for for the NBA when it comes to the upcoming media rights ending after the 24-25 season, um, I will on this podcast certainly talk about, you know, expectations as to where those media rights will go. And we'll have some people who are not only reporting on that, but some, you know, some sort of financial types even to maybe offer what would be the best for the NBA. I think just as a sort of my own aside here, I think almost assuredly that ESPN will retain. In fact, I cannot see any scenario where they don't. I would say now it's over 50% for sure. I think that WBD stays in the NBA business. And then you will absolutely have a streamer um, because that's very important to the league. And I think it's also important to an Amazon or an Apple or someplace like that um, to get the media rights. Okay, so that sets up in terms of sort of that side of the fence. With John Lewis, I want to talk about viewership. So, John, I think in, in many ways, whatever people want to bid on the NBA, the viewership is already baked in. I don't think necessarily like a big year this year is going to sort of, you know, change anybody's minds or bring new people into the tent. That said, I anticipate a pretty good year for the NBA. I I think there's a lot of interesting storylines. LeBron and Kevin Durant still, and Steph Curry obviously still remain in the league. Um, You have a really interesting rookie in San Antonio who I think may draw um, some interesting eyeballs. So, uh, you know, I'm an NBA fan, so maybe I'm a little biased here. But if if I if I was going to objectively look at it, it feels like viewership wise, like there's a lot of good storylines this year. How do you see it, sort of writ large? Well, you know, it's so difficult with the NBA because it is a league that is very dependent on its stars. 
So if the Lakers have a better year than they've had, if they have a 50-win season, you know, uh, if the Warriors have a resurgence after kind of a weak year last year, uh, maybe that actually might not be a good thing because as I think about it, those teams scrapping for playoff berths last year definitely helped the ratings down the stretch. But, you know, the stars, you know, you want the stars to be successful and uh, you certainly do have those stars still out there, but you're getting older and older and older. And you never know when the injury bug is going to hit. LeBron, Steph, they've missed a lot of games the last few years. And there's no amount of rule change that can keep somebody from missing games if they tear a tendon in their foot, right? So you can change the rules all you want about load management, but a lot of these guys are getting legitimately injured. Um, I do think New York coming off of a playoff berth will be uh, an interesting rating story this year. Uh, obviously, as you said, San Antonio, maybe Zion can be relevant again because that never took off the way that it could have. Uh, obviously, you know, you have the reigning MVP in Philadelphia, but the vibes are not good there at all. Uh, Phoenix is interesting. There's a lot of interesting stories. Uh, but, you know, it's tough to really tell because we don't know what's going to happen on the court. And ultimately, it's going to depend on the same good luck the league had last year. The league had good luck and bad luck. Good luck getting all those great playoff matchups early in the postseason that helped them get to watch playoffs in five years. And then some pretty bad luck ending up with Denver-Miami in the least watched finals outside of COVID uh, since 2007. So it all comes down to matchups. It all comes down to availability. And uh, it's if I had to guess, just based on the fact that there's going to be 24 games on ABC this season because of the writer's strike, that's the most NBA games on broadcast television since 2002, when NBC obviously was airing many more games. That alone should be enough to get the regular season average up. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that. that's, that's interesting. I didn't mean to jump on you there. I was going to say, I think my thesis comes from the fact that I think the Lakers will be good. You know, obviously knock on wood, depending on health. So that's that's a very, very big team in terms of just having national windows. And the Celtics should be really, really good, just given the trades that they made um, in the offseason. And I think Boston and L.A. can really, really carry national viewership a long way. I do think I'm with you. I think it's important that the Knicks are at least competitive. You need Philadelphia to be competitive. These are two great viewership cities. Denver and Phoenix are fascinating to me because they are really interesting, watchable teams. But they're not viewership powers in terms of sort of traditionally those cities. Um, so I'll be curious to see, you know, the audience for those um, for those two teams. Um, but again, I think, uh, you know, I think you nailed it. I mean, I think so much of this is about health, right? I mean, if Steph Curry plays in 70 plus games and if LeBron James plays in 70 plus games, that has a right that has a gigantic impact on national viewership because those ABC games are going to be Warriors and Celtics and Lakers, et cetera. Right. And we forgot about Milwaukee, of course, getting Damian. Oh yeah, you're right. I should, exactly. I totally shouldn't have forgot about Milwaukee. Great point. Yeah. And look, I mean, it it does come down to health. You remember that 2019, 20 season, obviously the bubble, all of that craziness, but even before the bubble, the ratings weren't really that great that year because Steph Curry, you know, broke his wrist fifth game of the season was out the whole year. Uh, Durant was out that year, too. So if the stars are there and healthy, that is a point in the NBA's favor. If LeBron plays more than 55 games and Steph plays a full season, you know, but all of these things are are difficult to pull off because these are just human beings. And LeBron is 39, uh, going to be 39 in December. Are you, um, where's your sort of anticipation level sit 
in terms of uh, the new booth of Mike Breen, Doc Rivers, and Doris Burke? Well, I mean, I, I tuned into uh, high school football uh, for the final 15 minutes because I wanted to, to catch it from the beginning. But I'm a sports media nerd in that way. So that's definitely not not typical. Uh, I am excited to have Doc Rivers back on TV, but I'm, I know I'm in the minority there because a lot of people associate him with his very mixed record as a coach. Uh, a lot of people are genuinely not old enough to remember when he was the lead voice for ABC with Al Michaels. And definitely a lot of people are not old enough to remember him on TNT with Vern Lundquist back in the 90s. But I've always thought Doc was a better TV analyst than coach. I thought that when he was winning titles, uh, that he was a better TV analyst than coach. And I don't consider that an insult either. I think he's a tremendous TV analyst. Um, uh, you know, he and Doris Burke, It'll be interesting to see how they create that chemistry, but it's going to be a downgrade for Mike Green, Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy because they worked together for 17 straight years. Uh, so it's going to take time to build a comfortable relationship, even though Mike Green works with you know a lot of different people. It's going to be difficult to to rebuild that chemistry that that the previous booth had for 17 years. That's going to be more than a single season task. I, I'm with you on Doc. I think he's going to be excellent. He was he was absolutely excellent in his previous um, previous stints as a television broadcaster. I love Steve Kerr too. Um, if he ever leaves coaching, he will be um, he'll be awesome as well. But yeah, I, I actually think that booth will be good because I think obviously the um, uh, I think Doris is tremendous, and I think Doc's just a very very good communicator. He's he's going to be current, having coached against players in the league last year, which is always huge. And Mike Breen is an all-timer. So I, I, I don't worry about that booth actually at all. Um, all right, let's move to the NFL before we uh, move to Pat McAfee. Um, I saw a note, I think this was from you, that was really interesting in that um, the Jets have now been featured in the three most watched NFL windows this season per Nielsen. Is that a John Lewis note? I think it is, yeah. right? Yeah, that's okay. Me. So... Um, the the Jets Cowboys game um, per Nielsen twenty five point seven eight million viewers. The Jets Chiefs game twenty four point eight three million viewers. Um, they are an interesting team to me in that again, I don't think one team necessarily will dictate like how the league will do. But and I imagine John, you concur with me. If the Jets can stay reasonably competitive because of all their sort of national windows or 425 windows, it's really going to help the league out in the same way if the Cowboys are decent. It's always good. I don't Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, it's going to be a, beyond a ratings boon, but I'm, I'm not really anticipating that. But that, that was interesting to me when I saw your note was that like, you know, if these guys can just not sort of go, you know, whatever like one in 10 over their next 11 games, I think the league isn't going to, the league may get bailed out by having the Jets in all these windows. Yeah, uh, it's been surprising. And, you know, some people have pushed back and said, well, let's look at their opponents, right? You know, the Cowboys and uh, the Eagles this past week and, and the Chiefs. And that is certainly, they, they, as a result of having Rodgers on the team, they've had some really nice front-loaded marquee games. But Still, I mean, the fact is, when Rodgers got hurt, I think the expectation was that the Jets would be a drag, no matter what, no matter the games, uh, the, the opponents. So the fact that these three games are the most watched of the season per Nielsen, 
I think it says that there is some potential there. And they're not that bad of a team. They're three and three now. Obviously, they don't have a great quarterback, but they could very easily make it to the playoffs. So they have a great defense. And uh, I mean, the fact is they 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 played the Chiefs tough. They beat the Eagles. You know, there's maybe something there. Uh, and certainly viewers seem to be responding to them. Anything uh, like over the first, um, you know, now we're a little bit past the quarter of the season, uh, nearing the half of the season, that really has stood out to you like as a uh, as a big viewership story. Um, I think to me, um, you know, the Monday night numbers are really, really good. Although, you know, they get to pop a little bit from that um, double header uh, or dual, you know, sort of dual games at the same time kind of experiment, I think. That's helped them, but their but their numbers are excellent, and they had a really good um, they had a really good schedule, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know the the teams that I expected to sort of be really viewership carriers, like the Chiefs mm-hmm. and um, the Cowboys, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two Cowboy games at most, have uh, ha- have done that. The Cowboys are going to be in the really heavy with Fox later in the year in the four twenty five window. So I don't know if there's anything. I mean, maybe the most interesting story is sort of just how, like, it seems like Sunday Ticket, for the most part, has been uh, a massive success for the NFL and YouTube because we don't see viewer complaints and and things like that. Amazon's numbers are obviously up, and I think you got to be happy with that. So I'm throwing out a couple things there, John, but are there one or two things for you, like, as a viewership uh, play this year for the NFL that's really stood out? The primetime success. Uh, you mentioned Monday and Thursday night, but Monday Night Football obviously is benefiting from having ABC simulcast the games. This is a writer's strike move, but I don't know how you go back. Because if you go back to the old schedule next year, Monday Night Football is going to be down double digits. It's going to be, you know, pretty significant because the ABC factor is very real. These these games that are being simulcast in ABC, the biggest audience among the three networks is the ABC audience, and and usually by a comfortable margin. So uh, I don't know how they go back to the old schedule next year. Although obviously they, they'll have to for ESPN's sake. Uh, Amazon's doing great. Double digit increases every week. Uh, you know, they've had their four largest audiences uh, for Thursday night in the first five weeks this season that they've aired games. Uh, they've done quite well. And then Sunday night football, which up until this past Sunday with nine spills, which did not do well, uh, had had a really strong start, uh, really good numbers to start the year for them. So the, the primetime success, which maybe maybe might be helped a little bit by the fact that there's no uh, scripted programming right now and no scripted programming in sight, because even though the writer's strike ended, the actor's strike is not. Uh, maybe there's an element of that in, in the primetime success this year, but it's been that's been the main thing that I've noticed. I want to uh, move on to, oh, by the way, we should note, um, as reported by SBJ's Ben Fisher, among uh, many others, maybe I think the NFL announced it too, uh, Roger Goodell has uh, agreed to a contract extension through the 2027 season. Although media-wise, John, I don't think he has much work to do in that area, right? Because everything's long-termed. So the the interesting thing about that, other than the freaking irony of the NFL media and others laying off people where Roger continues to uh, cash gigantic uh, checks, is that it's really the next commissioner. Maybe Goodell continues. I don't know what's going to happen, but... Let's 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 say that this is the end of his run. The next commissioner is the one that's got the big media rights deals to eventually negotiate. So that'll be 
you know, whoever that person is when the current NFL rights deal ends, man, those are the, uh, um, that's some, that's some big, heavy, heavy lifting to do. Um, all right. One more NFL topic. Then we'll go to the WNBA. Uh, we'll hit on some college football and some, some ESPN stuff. Um, although this is ESPN stuff as well. A lot of talk and a lot of discussion, certainly in uh, social media circles, about Pat McAfee paying um, his guests money, including Aaron Rodgers um, and Nick Sabe. And that story broken by uh, by Andrew Marchand. And to me, um, I think some of the, the the most interesting thing to me is sort of the prism of how you look at this. I, I don't look at Pat McAfee as a journalist at all. In fact. I don't even think I would hope he wouldn't sort of think that he is that he he is a he's a talk show host and in many ways he's in he's an entertainer and and to me I don't think it's necessarily um, should be such a surprise that in those kind of positions that you compensate your guests in the same way in you know every major market in this country um, radio stations for many many years have been paying you know whether it's a manager or players, you know, some kind of feed, some kind of fee for, um, for their time. Um, the, obviously I guess the story, if you sort of want to make it an argument for it is the dollar figure that McAfee paid Rogers is really, really significant, but we're also sort of living in a world where like, you know, McAfee's being paid crazy amount of money at ESPN. He himself said his, com- his company's valued in the hundreds of millions. So the, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting paid over, you know, a million dollars. One agent sort of estimated to me, you know, those numbers are between a half million and 1.5 million. And the number shouldn't be that surprising to you. Like this is sort of the world that the that these people live in. We can eventually get to the if you want to have a discussion. I don't really like, you know, well, is Mac should McAfee and ESPN platform Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback in the New York Jets. He's going to be on the air. You have to platform him. Do would I ever take? vaccination advice from Aaron Rodgers? No, I, I'm not, an, you know, that, that would be insane to me, but I'm also not going to de-platform him because he has some opinion on that. You know, if, if you think it's like, I don't know, to me, like if you're listening to an NFL quarterback about vaccination advice, my advice might be to sort of change your thinking on that and, and head to science uh, and, and doctors. But I don't know. It was interesting. I guess, John, I was really fascinated by the reaction to it because um, it's it should not maybe the dollar figure was surprising, but it, I it should not be surprising that that people are paid for stuff. I don't know. I, I'm I'm rambling a little bit, so I'll I'll see it to you here. How do you see it? Well, I think it's interesting because you know obviously ESPN is not paying Aaron Rodgers, but you know I mean there is there is some linkage there, and ESPN you know look I mean. You can look at Sage Steele. Sage no longer works there, got disciplined for saying things about vaccines that are not to the extent that Aaron Rodgers has said. But obviously, that's that's very different. But, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating because I, I do think two years ago in the height of COVID, uh, this would be a different scenario. I don't think ESPN would be as blasé about it. Uh, but times have changed and not just with COVID. Times have changed with ESPN, and a lot of stuff that would not have flown two years ago when they were punishing Sade Steele, running out Allison Williams, that would obviously 
be set aside now when there's a, an increasing desperation to get content that resonates. And obviously, Pat McAfee uh, provides it. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's no doubt that they're, you know, like like for Stephen A. and and Greenberg and John Gruden before, there's McAfee rules, and, and he, his show's going to be treated differently. The, the idea of whether um, it's a distinction without a difference is an interesting conversation in terms of, you know, McAfee pays these people. So it's not ESPN paying directly, but is that a distinction without a difference? Because obviously ESPN pays Matt McAfee. To me, that's that's really up to each viewer to decide. I will say, and this is something where I do appreciate ESPN on, they have lived up to their agreement with the McAfee show in terms of not um, dictating who the guests are. You know, like like um, we've still seen, uh, you know, people from other networks or other entities still on that show. Um, in addition to like, you know, the Adam Schefters and, and ESPN employees. And I think sort of overall, that's a good thing. You want, um, you know, you want these shows to sort of feel comfortable and dictate stuff. And to you, John, the business is just very different. And they are betting big on what they consider to be stars. The, it seems like the entire sort of lineup essentially is to revol- try to figure out games, you know, get, what revolves around the games. Stephen A. Smith, Pat McAfee, Mike Greenberg, Scott Van Pelt. And so that's what they're betting on. Um, and we'll see how that bet plays. I think in many ways, the bet doesn't really matter because what ultimately matters is how many people are still interested in ESPN's product, you know, in a cord-cutting universe, et cetera. And that's also why they bet very big on gambling because I think that's where they see their ways to, um, you know, continue to get young people to move on again. Well, I'll probably have more on that topic, uh, you know, sort of down the road. Um, but um, the one thing I tell you is like Aaron Rodgers is a, as a uh, guest will continue on the McAfee show. As John said, ESPN is not going to give up that news breaking stuff. Um, at least, at least in my opinion, I, I don't see it. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. John, we don't have ga- we're taping this on Thursday, October 19th, so we don't have game four yet of the... Um, of the Las Vegas Aces and New York Liberty um, in. It will probably be in later today. Uh, game four was phenomenal to watch. Um, absolute athleticism, uh, shot-making prowess, Asia Wilson in particular. Thrilling game that went down to the wire. Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the viewership's going to be, but like from your perspective as a viewership guy, how have you seen the WNBA Finals so far and maybe the WNBA postseason as well? I think you can't complain if you're the WNBA, but my position has always been that they're leaving viewership on the table being at the time of year that they're on. That game in August would have dominated the entire night. It might have ended up being certainly the most watched program on cable in, in the key demos. But last night, obviously, the ALCS is going to take that top spot unless something absolutely shocking happens. So, uh, you know, the time of year you're leaving viewership on the table, you, you're you not getting the maximal audience already to this point, three games in. And just the most watched WNBA finals in 20 years in three games. But three games in, none of the games have had as many viewers as Dallas LA did in the regular season, 733,000. 
And that was a Sunday afternoon in, in June. Uh, now, obviously, game four will surpass that mark. It, it'll be the most watched WNBA finals game in, in, in at least, I would say, since that games five in 2017, I think, had uh, uh, over 900,000 on ESPN. But I, I do think that if the league wants to maximize its audience, they're going to have to get creative, either by finding a way to get the season in before football and the baseball playoffs start, or maybe getting these games on over the air in prime time, which obviously a few years ago would have been a crazy suggestion. Nowadays, with the state of primetime TV, especially exactly. during a writer's strike where there's no content, I think you can get away with it. Yep. NWS put a game, a regular season game. I know it was making Rapino's final game, but it's an NWSL regular season game on a weeknight in prime time on CBS. And it had 600 odd thousand viewers. So it's not like it was dramatically better than the WNBA could get. So that's going to have to be what happens. You're going to have to get prime time over the year on ABC. And obviously that can't be Saturday because of football. So it's going to have to be a weeknight or a Sunday night. And that's, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be hard to get, but I think that's what the league needs to be pursuing. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm with you a thousand percent. I feel like ESPN has some, some juice now to, add, you know, to really work with ABC and Disney to do that. And that's where I'm at too. put these games on prime time in the, in the middle of the week, they're going to get a good number. I mean, <laughs> scripted programming is garbage these days. Uh, live sports is interesting. And so I'm with you on that. And, um, you know, again, as women's college basketball has showed, once you start getting better windows, man, the numbers will come. And so I, I'm with you on that a thousand percent. Uh, real quick on college football. Six of the 11 most watched games this season have involved the Pac-12 team. Obviously, Colorado is the big reason for that, John. But man, you know, like they're going to write books one day on the Pac-12 totally effing this up. Um, they are going to end up this year in college football having massive teams with mass, I should say massive teams. They're going to end up this year with having significant viewership teams uh, between Colorado, the Washington, uh, Oregon game was incredible. Man, what a disaster that this thing blew up and that they could not have figured out at some point just to take either the money from ESPN or, or you know, Fox or whoever else was offering, but uh, but I've seen these numbers out of Pac-12 games this year, and man, it's just it's it's amazing. Yeah, uh, I will say it gets to the risk that is inherent with just believing that the streamers are going to bail you out, right? The idea that okay, well, you know, Apple and Amazon they want to get in, they're going to pay, you know, and then they're not. You know, Apple is obviously being very you know cautious in terms of what they're gonna they're, they're not just gonna pay the moon and i think that the pac-12 really obviously as you said screwed things up pretty badly because you know uh i told well, they them, turned out they turned in hindsight they turned down what was an excellent espn offer exactly i told an ap writer this uh, pat graham earlier this week but i i truly believe that the pac-12 would have been able to thrive in the tv ratings just losing USC and UCLA. Agreed. I agree with you a thousand percent. They, they, that, that's a strong conference. Washington, Oregon, Colorado. And you, st you have a bunch of other decent teams. You add in maybe a San Diego State or something. I mean, that conference could have easily, easily withstood the loss of USC and UCLA. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, again, especially with Dion in Colorado, like they had a, you know, they, they it turns out they have a, 
glamour team. That team will only get better, even if you know they finish under 500 this year. Um, yeah, again, I mean, people have written it already, but they're you know ten, five years from now, whatever, you're gonna go back and sort of the oral history of how they screwed this up is gonna be incredible. Um, real quick on a World Series matchup, let's say it's Phillies Rangers. You like that one in terms of uh, viewership pop? I actually kind of do. I think the Phillies are starting to show signs that the public is taking notice, right? And that doesn't always happen. Like People will watch the World Series. The numbers are always going to be decent. And uh, the World Series are probably going to beat the NBA Finals in the same year for the third time in four years this year. Although, who knows what might happen down the road, depending on series length. But, uh, you know, there's a difference between a World Series that's just people are tuning in because it's the World Series and one where they're interested in the teams. And I think that the Phillies have reached the point where there's an interest in the team. Uh, you know, game one of the NLCS did not do very well at all in the ratings, but it was up against Monday Night Football. Game two was surprisingly decent given the 10 to nothing margin, given the fact that Arizona is not an exciting team on paper. Uh, and uh, these raucous crowds that they've got in Philadelphia uh, are, are appealing. They were last yep. year, too. But now there's more familiarity. Bryce Harper's becoming a bigger and bigger star. And the Rangers, and by the way, I no longer think the Rangers are the favorite to win because we've seen Houston do this so many times. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, may be, it also may be Houston-Philly, too. We'll see. Right. But uh, the Rangers bring a freshness. They are not the Astros. I think a lot of people are sick of the Astros and dislike them in a way that goes beyond wanting to watch them lose. They just dislike them. Uh, and the Rangers are, are, are fresh. They've got uh, not they can, a lot of... They can, they can hit. And that's a, I think that's appealing for uh, for a World Series. I mean, I think they, they have... They score. Um, and, you know, like... I, I tend to think, I maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think like an 8-7 game like is more appealing to a younger generation than a one nothing game. Well, I mean, what was that commercial about digging the long ball? You know, I mean, people do like offense. And the reality is that uh, if you get a high-scoring series between two big markets, Dallas and Philadelphia, That's right. that goes to seven games, the potential is there for this to be the, the most watched series out of the big four. Obviously, the NFL doesn't have series. Uh, since COVID, I think uh, this if it is Rangers going to go speed. Yeah, we'll pay attention to that. Uh, I, yeah, Philadelphia is an awesome, just an awesome sports market. Like in literally all their sports, all their teams like pop, uh, including the Flyers. Like when they're good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So people know that you know um, you ESPN or Disney, I should say, released um, some figures about uh, ESPN only financial data. Um, so I'm not going to get into this with John, but you go whether it's uh, Bloomberg or Deadline or you know any Hollywood trade, Variety, etc. Um, there's now a breakdown in terms of where we see ESPN revenue come from. And uh, you know, numbers on the affiliate fees were eight billion plus. Advertising over the, I think, the fiscal 
year so far through through October, three point two billion subscription fees they had. Um, so that's interesting. Well, you know, I, I probably it's sometime in the next couple of weeks we'll have um, some people from the financial world to break that down for us. But um, but you should sort of just be aware that you can now get breakout numbers for ESPN because it's now ESPN slash sports is now sort of considered a division for Disney along with entertainment. So now they're now breaking those uh, numbers out. Also gives you a little bit of insight into why they want some strategic partners um, to bring some cash into the uh, into the coffers. Uh, all right, finally, John, you know, it was very inside baseball, but some very big news um, at ESPN. Their head of uh, communications, Chris LaPlaca, who uh, I believe is their longest tenured employee, been there 43 years, I believe, announced that he's retiring at the end of the year. And so that creates a very, very big job opening in terms of uh, who will be the head of public relations for ESPN, a job not only sort of when it comes to the strategy of that place, crisis communication, but also could be very, very different in the future, given that who knows what ESPN will be. You know, at some point, ESPN is going to go direct to consumer where you'll be able to basically buy ESPN without having a cable subscription, although I think it will always be on cable for certainly for my, my me and John's lifetime. Um, I had a lot of dealings, Jesus Christ, I had a lot of dealings with Chris LaPlaca. We disagreed on a lot of stuff. Uh, definitely had some sort of back and forths that were you know, tension-filled. Um, I will say one thing about Chris LaPlaca. I, he, he, he really, like many people there, is a devout ESPN person. Um, you know, he bleeds that place. He always sort of advocated for that place. You know, sometimes it felt, in my opinion, a little too cultish, um, you know, um, just to just to be blunt. Um, but I never, you know, I, I never didn't realize uh, that, that sort of he believed what he believed. And I give that department a lot of credit. Out of departments, they always call you back, even on stories that are not going to be favorable um, to them. And that was a La Placa precept. So, uh, you know, an incredible, um, an incredible run in corporate communications, probably one that that's not going to be duplicated. I can't see anybody ever having a 43 year career at, uh, one of these legacy places. Like that just doesn't, uh, doesn't happen. So John, I, I, I don't, I, you told me before that like, you didn't deal a lot with Chris La Placa. You, you dealt with some other, um, people but if you want to sort of speak to the role itself um generally speaking these jobs like do not come up often like the head of you know espn is still in my opinion the most dominant you know sports media force in the united states and now a major job in terms of how it externally and internally communicates is now open for business well yeah i mean look you said before there's not going to be another 43 year tenure i mean obviously the industry is has reached the point where there's not going to be a lot of 20 year tenures, you know, I mean, I think Correct. there's a lot of ESPN institutional memory that has been lost over the past decade, but also this the past 12 months uh, between La Placa and Soltis. And it, you do wonder, you know, the character of a place, whether it can survive, you know, those types of departures. I can definitely attest that even though I did not deal much with Chris LaPaca, ESPN's always been really good with media, particularly critical media. Uh, and uh, a lot of these companies are, but ESPN's always been, un, you know, to an extent that you wouldn't necessarily expect from the outside looking in, accommodating to people who are critical of what they're putting out on the air. 
Uh, so, um, you know, that's certainly something to credit the company for. And you do wonder how much that'll continue as, as things, you know, change and as, as the company moves away from people who've been there, you know, LaPlaca joined within a year of the company starting right. in 1980. Uh, as people join in who were not around for the original days and don't still carry what I would probably call, you know, that underdog mentality that ESPN started with. Uh, that's right. Yeah, they became the overdog, which is like kind of uh, fascinating. So, so one just so people know, Mike Saltis, who John referred to, was a longtime communication executive. Is essentially the number two in that department. Um, he he was forced out, um, which was pretty gross because, like, that to me speaks to what John Lewis just said. Like the the lack of um, thoughtfulness when it comes to institutional knowledge. This is not just an ESPN thing, but this is a this is a corporate America thing. Um, Chris Plaka, at least, John, got to um, make his own call when it comes to um, making the decision to leave. And that, you know what? That is few and far between. Most of us will not have the choice um, as to when we leave an organization. You are different. You own your own site, so you are your own boss. So you will <laughs> you will have that choice, John, which is pretty awesome. Um, I, I likely will not. In fact, I'm sure I will not. Um but um, this doesn't refer to La Placa, but one of the greatest things, a very well-known, I shouldn't say well-known, uh, a very high-profile uh, sports agent once told me a um, long time ago when I was starting to write about this, about ESPN, um, said agent said, you have to fuck them before they fuck you. And that's a great piece of advice just in terms of being a talent at any of these places because um, you, you, you go from very flavor of the month to... Uh, to, to the end of the flavor in the month. But La Placa, that's a big loss and will be a big change. So many people have kissed his ass, John. I feel like I can't just go all the way with the the flowers and the, you know, I say my flowers for Saltis. I feel like that sort of fits me more. But, you know, La Placa, he'll be in somewhere, you know, in Lake Cuomo, like sailing with George Clooney. He doesn't need my flowers. But in all seriousness, listen, it's a very, very, it's a big change. And like you, John, I, I, I've always appreciated, and this is genuine, when the shit hits the fan, ESPN will interact with media people, even then they knowing shit is hitting the fan. And not every place um, does that, and and that's at least appreciated. And that and that you know that usually te- that tells you something too. Yeah, I will say I wonder if they go internal. I mean, I imagine they will. Um, I don't. Th- I, I by the way, no no information or reporting on this. I predict they don't. I think Disney is going to want to put somebody with with their own stamp there. You want to have a coffee bet on this internal versus external? Uh, I, I no longer drink coffee. I haven't had real coffee since oh. like so. What are you yeah. drinking? Wine, gin, uh, uh, mushroom coffee. I started on the mushroom <laughs> coffee and the mushroom sugar. It's, it's not great, but you know. right, we'll figure out. We'll figure out the stakes uh, afterwards. I would love to see somebody internally promoted because I think that's great. It's good for morale and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, you know, maybe someone like an Andy Hall. Uh, a Bill Hoffheimer. I mean, you know, I don't know what the what the what the hierarchy is there, but uh, you know, they've got a lot of staffers who have worked really well with the media over the years and uh, have put in the work. And, and it'd be nice to see, you know, Josh Brulowitz, uh people get uh, that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, listen, all those people are qualified and would would be great in that role. I, I still think they're gonna. Um, I still think. You know, now at this point, John, you're going to get me in trouble because, you know, we didn't mention half the staff uh, yeah. there. Um, 
And already there's probably people like, oh, you idiots are talking about PR people. I, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm never listening to this podcast again. I'm going to train in the Marshall and Oran report. Um, but uh, it's big. I mean, you know, again, this is a sports media podcast. And like I said, the jobs when it comes to the top of the chain at CBS Sports, NBC Sports, ESPN, Fox Sports, they do not change often. These are high paying jobs and people stay there for a long time. Let's be blunt. LaPlock is making a couple hundred thousand dollars. And uh, some really nice Disney preferred stock. So you don't leave these jobs. And so um, it's an interesting one. And, and, and it, will be, it will be interesting to see who ASPN chooses. All right, John, before we get out of here, is there anything else? John, I got to be honest. I feel like I, I did. I have done many, many better podcasts than this one. So I apologize to you as a guest. I don't think I've been on my A game. And I'm being very honest. It's not performative. Well, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean... Uh... For me, I mean, am I on my A game? Uh, yes, well, you're John. You're out of, John. You're you're as a guest, excellent. I'll tell you why. I'm not bullshitting you here, because you have a strength when it comes to viewership. Again, there are literally, I think, less than ten people uh, in the United States who sort of know more about sports viewership than you, and maybe not ten. You know, you're you're in the. I shouldn't phrase it like that. You are one of the ten most educated people on sports viewership in the United States. Let me let me put it that way. So you always have that base. And then the thing I appreciate appreciate about you is you're willing to discuss other things beyond sports viewership, even though sports viewership is kind of your expertise. So, yes, I would say you're always an excellent guest because you're willing to go outside of your um, sort of strength of knowledge on this particular topic. Well, thank you. It's uh, very kind to say. Yeah, no, I mean it. Uh, absolutely. And I put, again, Austin Carpet. I put in the 10, Anthony Karupia. One of the great things that you guys have done for me is you come on and talk about viewership and I feel like uh, I'm very lucky because some, um, you know, you got the knowledge that you guys have like places like, um, you know, Octagon and some of these other firms, like they pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. quite frankly, for the same information that you guys can, can analyze from your data. So I, I don't take that for, uh, for granted. All right, John Lewis, find his work at Sports Media Watch, find him on X slash Twitter, uh, at least for now until Musk starts charging all of us money which I do officially think maybe wouldn't be the end of Twitter, but might be the end of functional Twitter if that, uh, if that thing goes down. Head to the archives page where you will, I hope, find uh, interviews of interest, including many with John on sports viewership. Uh, we just had Dan Orlovsky for a long-form conversation on, um, on how he does his job at ESPN, so check that out from last week. Patrick Antonetti uh, has had a lot more hard work on this podcast because we've been putting out more content. I do not take him for granted and I always appreciate his time. And thank you to everybody at Odyssey for your support. I guess before I go, I should say if you like the stuff, leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That stuff helps. If you love uh, sports writing, uh, check out the 2023 Year's Best Sports Writing. That's a book I guest edited uh, featuring some just brilliant writers uh, and the best work of 2023. 22, including uh, the late Grant Wall. All right, again, my thanks again to John Lewis for being an excellent guest and for everybody from the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.